And hello and welcome everyone to the Dicey with Design podcast. Uh, joining us uh, tonight are Colin Gray. Hello, hello. And Joe, Prince of Darkness Prince. Hello indeed. Yes, indeed. And uh, I'm Grant. I'll be hosting for today. Hello. And uh, on today's main topic, which will be on uh, our favourite characters in role-playing games and also uh, the whole concept of character design. It's quite a big topic, but we'll try, and, we'll try and do it justice. Uh, okay, so what have we been up to, Mr. McGray in the wonderful world of gaming? What have I been up to? Uh, Gaming-wise, uh, well, came over and visited you guys. Uh, we had a good game of Warhammer at the weekend. Well, I say good. I kind of lost. So did you, Joe. Well, probably mostly <laughs> due to me. But uh, yeah, we uh, Joe and I played against uh, Matt and Grant. Uh, I was Brett. Joe was uh, the puny wood elves. And uh, Grant, you were... <laughs> the what, Joe? Puny Wood Elves, which is better than, than your guys. Yeah, they did. <laughs> my spellcaster, my, spell my beast reader, I had a bad day. You had, had a bad day at the Winds of Magic. <laughs> yeah, the Puny Wood Elves were far more brave than the uh, than the very timid and uh, scaredy cat uh, Pegasus Knights, oh, who really ran off in the first turn and then, well, rallied, but then ran off properly the second turn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exited the table quite quickly. Um, but it was good fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Grant managed to get two uh, chaos. No, what was it? Chaos lords. Is that what you call them? Demon princes. Demon princes. Demon princes off the Isle of Gods table. Yeah, they're free. Turn one. <laughs> In a, yeah, one thousand point list. It was two thousand points aside. So yeah, that was yeah. ridiculous. That, they were quite hard to deal with. Yeah, they were. <laughs> I do. I do complain about the how awesome the old uh, realms of chaos books were compared to wars of. The modern warriors of chaos. Oh, so uh, from flavor, Games really. Yeah, but that's a bit of flavour they they did bring back. Uh, and yeah, now it's not you've a D1 got thousand table. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but summoning demons, summoning demon or ascending to demonhood on the board during the battle is cool. Yeah, yeah it's a pretty it cool. impressive, uh, cool. yeah, idea. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, it was a good game, and uh, it was practice for our uh, Battle Brothers tournament, which is coming up in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'd be cool to hear if anybody mm-hmm. listening actually is going to that as well, wouldn't it? See if anybody's up to, yeah. up to going to Nottingham going down to Warhammer World. Yeah, Bugman Seven X or whatever it's called. Uh, so yeah, but, how many X's are there? Six X's. Quite a few. Yeah, lots of them. X's. <laughs> many X's. Lots yeah. of X's. Mm. <laughs> you had to uh, when I arrived back on the Sunday morning. You're you're trying to have a go at Agricola as well. Yeah, we were. We were trying to play. We trying to, yeah, yeah. It was. Say, you, you can't teach yourself it from the box in twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> we, we basically we had enough time that well. I I, I just call it Agricola. I called it Agricola. Whichever way, uh, it said it should take half an hour per player, so that was an hour, and we had an hour to play it in. So basically, we were trying to learn it in zero time flat, <laughs> which didn't work very well. But I think, mm. I, I reckon, I got an idea of how it worked from reading the rules for about half an hour. Uh, so I'm quite up for playing a game. I thought it looked really interesting. Yeah, I won't knock it till... I won't knock it till I tried it, but yeah. it is about medieval farming. Yeah, but it's like it's just uh, different types of resources. Instead of uh, killing peasants, you're uh, killing reeds of wheat. No? No, okay. no space means in that game, I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> still tell a story, though. A story of your family struggling, becoming rich, yeah. getting a clay oven, 
Yeah. <laughs> a great day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, found some stone. Awesome. Yes, stone. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, I, I, well, it's worth a go. I think it looks. I think it looks good fun. I used to spend hours doing that kind of rubbish in civilization, like building roads and farming fields and building forts and stuff, and never battling. So, yeah. I never enjoyed that in civilization. Yeah. You just go out and kill people with hoplites. I quite like the exploration bit when all your settlers are you've, you're moving all your settlers around. Yeah. That's fun. When you yeah, find wonders. And then 10 minutes later. Kill barbarians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> barbarians take over your capital dead. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, um, we had a quick game of Dungeon Jules as well, didn't you? Yep. I could have stomped you. <laughs> Your asses. No, it was actually quite close, but I managed to win at the end of my gark with his dual-wielding um, nunchucks. Yeah, that was ridiculous. He didn't quite manage to set them on fire, but he nearly did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do enjoy that game. It's good fun. Um, are, are you thinking that might be a little bit out of balance, the nunchucks? Are you going to change that, or is it just luck? Or was was that just lucky? Mm, no, sorry? I think that was, it was lucky to get that combination that, that might have uh, my character's race mm-hmm. got a bonus with the strikes, and yeah. then I happened to get the weapon, the only weapon that gets gives you two strikes a turn. Yeah. So that comboed well. And then, wait, wait, it was, you know, it was, I was choosing that purposely and chose that, and I had the Berserker as well. So I yeah. just knew if I went Berserk, suddenly my basic strikes, instead of doing one damage, doing four. Mm. So I knew if I could get, get them in there and just uh, lay the beat down. But yeah. um, it could have gone differently. I think if you'd stayed at range, it'd been a lot harder to hurt your yeah. character. Yeah, I was a bit unlucky with that. I went into uh, do a charge and couldn't get back out again because I had to, and I lost a card through. Uh, what was that again? I can't remember. I think I got blocked unexpectedly or something. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, it was good fun. Enjoyed that game. It was. Yeah, I did some tweaking with the the um, the game afterwards, or actually came up with a alternative version, a t- alternative way of playing it, or like a, or a way that works for solo play as well. So I'll have to yeah. go into that sometime. I'm not sure if I can explain it in a way that makes sense without showing the cards um, <laughs> yeah we could talk quite, about that quite interesting and um, also Grant had the idea that I should have like kind of starter characters or starter combinations because it's hard a- when you're playing someone who knows better than yeah. you which is whenever I you know whenever any of us plays someone else um, it's you get stomped um, which is probably good. <laughs> well, so, yeah, you want you want to be able to skill. Yeah, you want to be able to be, to get better at it, but um, the 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 level that you get hit is is pretty bad. Um, so yeah, having having like characters set up where you have your race card set up with a skill and yeah. a weapon and maybe a little bit of fluff card um, to as as like a pre-gened uh, character. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah. could you change your skills afterwards then? I, I'd do it. I'm going to do it. So you, the first game you play, you just have race cards. You don't even use weapons or skills. Sure. So you just you just learn the card mechanics, and then yeah. add, in, add in weapons. So you just have a weapon. Oh. You lose all. Weapons. You lose all the game that way. Well, you lose lose a bit of the game, but you, you know you're learning it. It'll make sense when you introduce it. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than having to try and take it all in at once. Mm-hmm. I think you won't have to learn the mechanics, like strikes and signature moves, until you've learned the basic. Or disarming, or. Yeah, 
stuff. I did think I did think that was good about Agricola because it had a family game, so you could play it with it. Well, it was designed to play it with your kids, I guess. So it's a bit less yeah. complicated. It took out quite a lot of the rules, but actually, it made it quite easy to learn the game in the first place because you just played that family game, learned those mm. rules, and then added in the complicated stuff after. Could be a future topic of multiple games that should, that should <coughs> adapt themselves into different situations, different number of players, yeah, yeah. different um, difficulty levels. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah. Grant, have you played anything else uh, since then? Um, give us a ch- give us chances only last weekend. Um, <laughs> or, or a close by before then. It's like two days. Okay, before <laughs> then, I did things. Yes. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. I've got run. I went to. Uh, I briefly went to the Wappenshaw. Wappenshaw. I should have asked the Wappenshaw um, uh, games, uh, war games. What do you call it? Um, convention <laughs> sure. in Kelvin Hall. I just mm. paid a brief visit. Just went around the stalls. Had a look at some of the uh, paint, painted up armies on in, in battles. Uh, there's some participation stuff. I didn't. I didn't spend long enough there to actually really play many games. I was just look, sort of looking at the cool stuff in in the shops. Um, I really should have, uh, in terms of being a games design podcaster, maybe should have actually had a look more at some of the actual games. Uh, but I wanted to get back to my brothers to play more Blood Bowl. Uh, so a couple of games of Blood Bowl the weekend before I came and. Uh, had a glorious victory on the Saturday uh, of Warhammer, thanks to the game guys. After Matt, Matt told Matt told me what to do, <laughs> <laughs> and what else? Uh, at the school club, um, I've, I've been out a cup uh, for a wee bit, so uh, I've only had like one game in a wee, one game club in a wee while. Played uh, Space Hulk, as usual. Uh, actually, did a Classic. bit of yeah. Well, absolutely. Uh, played a bit of uh, Dungeon Duelist with uh, a few of the kids there. They really enjoyed that. Future classic. Future classic. Yes, <laughs> the the forthcoming the forthcoming hit from Prince of Darkness games, uh, Dungeon Duelists. And yeah, then we got the Warhammer tournament practicing. Uh, yeah, I'm wor- working through my working through my list for my Chaos Warriors, trying to get as many Demon Princes on the board as possible for free. Averaging 1.5 per game at the moment, so that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be in a game that actually lasts more than four turns before I get beat. Uh, <laughs> Fear the hundred goblins. <laughs> and I'll get more chances to get more chances to get. Uh, um, Mango or or, or before, yeah, yeah, more chance to get demon princes out with my with my war strength, which I think looks rather spiffing. So. Yeah, you and we we'll kind of want to use it. Yeah. Um, anything else? I think uh, in the news we keep talking about Munchausen. I made a little note here. Munchausen, Baron Munchausen has been re-released. Oh, you're doing a new edition. Yeah. So you don't have to pay like hundred pound for it on uh, on eBay. I've still got the first my first edition version. Uh, Not sold it yet for hundred pounds. <laughs> no, they really go for that much. Um, I don't know. Well, actually, there was a limited edition like one a wee while ago. Yeah. Uh, are we ready for a main topic? Indeed. Fire on. Okay. So, jingle. <laughs> <laughs>
It's the main topic, not a side topic. Not only the main tangent, topic. Main topic. Yeah, let's stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we probably shouldn't have started. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, our favorite characters first of all uh, from our games. Yeah, Very well, fun. I thought it'd be interesting to look Very at joy. what characters we liked from books, films, yeah. whatever, and why. Like, just talk about yourself. What you think makes them makes you like them? Because I, I guess it was my first thoughts mm-hmm. with this were around creating NPCs. So you're creating a world. Uh, the PC stuff, we'll talk about that definitely. That's interesting oh, okay. too. But it was around creating a world, like designing a world that people will enjoy playing in. And um, the characters are obviously a huge part of that. So how do you create characters that sort of engage folk, I guess, that people like, that people want to play against, and actually people that hate as well? Like there was, um, there, well, we'll talk about it. We'll get into it later. But there's yeah. a character that I know that uh, <laughs> that we play with. You'll probably know exactly who I'm talking about. We all about. know him. Yeah, we all <laughs> the same. And that's why. Yeah, he's a great character. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll we'll bring that up later. But yeah, it was just around. Yeah, things that characters that make games more compelling and why how how you can create them like that. Ah, so we're talking about NPCs. Well, that too, absolutely. Mainly. Both. Uh, well, what's so my piece? I've, I've written down my main notes for about three PCs that are like. Well, that's fine. They're all, <laughs> all characters, aren't they? Yeah, Just definitely. Okay. Anyone yeah. in a fictional game world. Yeah, two parts to it. We'll talk about PC yeah. stuff and then NPCs as well. Yeah. Cool. Okay, right. Well, if you'll let me. To- start off i've got three written down here on one of my favorite characters and we'll just uh, sort of do a bit of a round robin on this maybe yeah yeah go for Uh, it round robin round table okay Mm -hmm. i'll just go around we'll go around uh so number one can you guess jeffrey hardonia jeffrey (laughs) hardonia yeah (laughs) he was 20 he was 21 when i when i started playing as 18 and uh he's uh probably now 24 ish and I'm near, nearing 34 and <laughs> <laughs> will be by the time I play him next probably, <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, he is um, it, how it, do you start goes, Jeffrey how do I, that's, that's the thing isn't it <laughs> um, to give a good idea about who he is without, without going a bit too long why do you like him just to say what, why yeah. do you like him what is it about that character that you you know he's just like, so he has an excuse just to to try and pull everything pull everything round into into his way of doing things, and he has the authority to do it. He's a, a lord of one of the great houses. Yeah, he's a, well, no, he's well, not he even a lord. But I can't remember him actually putting anything on. <laughs> is his way? What is his way of doing it? <laughs> charging, charging him straight forward and shooting hey, people that follow him. <laughs> can I just say? Can I just say something about? I, I wanted to. Like the initial concept was, he was going to be a. Um, uh, I was reading one the the last horrendous um, uh, episode of the in, in the Dragonland series at the time, and but I really like this 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 knight character Stern Brightblade, who uh, sort of died a glorious death uh, in in the first in the first of the Dragonlands books. Spoilers, but um, he. I quite like that guy. I thought, well, I don't really want to. I thought it might be more interesting to play play someone like as as if it was Stern Brightblade's son, someone who had to come in behind and live up to his father's uh, yeah. um, live up to his father's sort of high standing. Yeah. So it, it came from an idea from a book that I'd read when I was twelve. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of that's how far back the the idea for the character goes. 
and I was 18 and made this character who's kind of struggling to um, step out from his father's shadow exactly. kind, kind of thing. His father's legacy and his in, and your father's legacy has been like become a big part of the, the backstory and the campaigns. It's a huge part, involved. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we want to and take history. back the the lands that he died he died yeah. trying to trying to reclaim from 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 the one of the big uh, recurring. Well, she's not. You know, it's not recurring, but that's been your over one of your overarching plot goals, which we're kind of finally doing now, or finally yeah um, embarking upon. We've been doing other things to take back to take back these lands that uh, of the Hardonia estates. Can I just say? The, the part, the the Jeffrey half of the name was my idea. Uh, <laughs> it, was Matt, it was Matt, our our GM, who decided his name would be Hardonia. Mm -hmm. Well, Matt already had the all the noble houses written up, didn't he? Or yeah, had, had them all mapped out and stuff. And that was just one of the noble houses. Basically, they're a bit like the Starks, aren't they? <laughs> you are the Starks. Those ones that there, the hero ones in the north. This is long yeah. before George Martin um, was writing these books, even I think. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that, so that that character is a lot more interesting because he's got a big sort of, um, because he's got some history designed into him, isn't he? Yeah, he's got a little bit, so he can wander yeah, about he's part, the world. Part and, of the world, like yeah. I said, I, I yeah. said I was going to be part of a noble house, and and Matt had them all planned out, like he said, and uh, decided to. Yeah, had them all planned out, and and so so there was always some already something there to tap into because he'd mm -hmm. been playing this game for the last what six years that he'd been he'd been that's, that's a good point that that really strengthened Jeffrey's character, the fact that he was interwoven with the pre-existing background and the plot and stuff. And it's always, I mean, the thing we, the rest of us can never take off that Jeffrey is the most important character in our party. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. because of his nobility, because of his birth, and because he's so connected to the background. Yeah. Yeah, I like him but he can he can it I feel a bit guilty sometimes that I'm hogging hogging that spotlight. Well because he was, is yeah. but that was kind of it kinda of works though, because that's yeah. kind of pulled us all all together. We all had characters that for some reason yeah. were linked to yeah. him and linked to the Hardonian house. But a lot of his weaknesses are my weaknesses. They kind of have to be. The faffing around at making decisions <laughs> like I do yeah. means that somebody somebody in the party has to at some point says, for God's sake, Jeffrey! Just do something. <laughs> just, just do something. <laughs> or just do this. It's like, yeah. it'll be interlinked. So it plays off the other character as well. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah. a bit, he's a bit more of an idealist than your character, Joe, who's, who's quite Kind of cutthroat and and um. It's not well, my character is quite kind of Machiavellian. But yeah. he's he's a trained diplomat and son of a politician, so he just believes in getting the job done. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you have to do it, yeah, you're right. He's not as idealistic. No, um, but but probably more effective. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dave's character Evan, who's like his uh, sort of. Best buddy sort of thing is for just bodyguard, secret bodyguard, but also public. But anyway, um, yeah, it's his, pretty much his, his bodyguard, but uh, actually makes a lot of the decisions because he, he as when Jeffrey gets wrapped up in the decision, yeah. Yeah, he just jumps in. <laughs> See, I think I think a bit of you. You're talking about feeling guilty because of his uh, his authority and the fact he hogs a bit of it, but 
that's part of the design that I think makes him part of his character's design that makes him really good and makes our game better is because he does have that authority it makes our quests a lot more epic like it's so much more easy to create massive quests when we're actually getting asked to go on these quests by the king or by mm-hmm. the uh, well when the effects are so huge as well so we're asked to go and uh, save the the main city of the country from monster attack because basically you're the leader of the armies um, yeah it, it's, it's not, not just not just the damsel in distress yeah, exactly, it's yeah. this bit of the country we're yeah. trying to we're trying to save yep uh, yeah. And we're all got. We all when we have a battle, we all have little roles in in the battle. Yeah. I'll be leading from the back, saying, "Go forward, men!" And yeah. Whereas yeah. you're you're probably going to try and hide your magic, which is banned in yeah. the country that we're in. <laughs> um, is that enough on Jeffrey? Is there anything else? Jeffrey's hogging the limelight again. I, I one more thing about it. I want. <laughs> it's someone I always wonder about with characters. Do you think um, the fact that he's got an accent makes him better? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's always had has he always had that I can't remember if I played him like that in 97 yeah no he's, he's always had that accent really I, I, I he's a, yeah he's always been he's always been you know proper no, nobility come on men follow me Demon. <laughs> I once I once offered I once offered to uh, stop doing the accent and I was told in no uncertain terms that that wasn't allowed yeah. I had to keep up the accent yeah, <laughs> well that's part of what makes that game now <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, do you know it's what? when I keep it up for hours of dialogue yeah. do you know, I think it's not much of a coincidence that it's Jeffrey and Jago I think are the strongest characters in that game you've both got accents because <laughs> <laughs> it's quite obvious like it makes a difference because it's obvious when you're playing in character whereas when David and I speak neither of us do an accent and it's a bit more it's just a bit weaker because you can't really tell that we're doing something in character I can't tell it's in game as opposed to just chatting about something and I think that makes a big difference if we go back to thinking about um, the the Cobbles game mm-hmm. uh, where we're trying to do that as a radio you know like a radio play you do yeah, have yeah. to know if, if well, actually, we'll get around that with that because we want, we've already said in the previous episode that we're going to have each character will have their own voice. Uh, we'll, we'll only speak in first person. All the oh, kobolds right. yeah, will yeah. speak in first person. Yeah. Uh, but you can't. You don't generally do that in in a, at the tabletop. Yeah. You have to do your narration. You might speak out a character and then you speak back in character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's going to be a, a different uh, dynamic. Yeah. Other than other Munch, by Munchausen, you do speak in character that whole game, but that's always kind of recounting stories, not yeah. actually having adventures. Yeah. You're playing a character who's sitting who's sitting at a table, uh, they're having drinks with his buddies. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of a disadvantage, people like me. They're shit accents. Um. So am I. It's not a good accent. It's just an accent. No, but you st- you stole the good easy accent. I could do a posh English accent. I could be an aristocrat, but well, your character is now. I I, no, I gave true. him title and lands. Yeah. So Maybe that's should, what you should do. Corian should like go for elocution. <laughs> suddenly start to become a gentleman practitioner yeah. of magic when it becomes acceptable. So we just I can comedically just try and copy Jeffrey the whole time. <laughs> That would be quite a good uh, character <laughs> development. That's yeah, yeah. Moved on to like okay. if you're uh, impressionable shepherd boy yeah, who is yeah. now a knight of the realm, mm-hmm. as well as wielding the forbidden magics. <laughs> um, yeah, he could maybe start. Yeah, pretending to, to to 
ape Jeffrey. Jeffrey <laughs> to try and elevate himself to his new status. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, sp- I suppose you know yeah. you've created a good character when actually you get to the stage where you do develop it. Like, like how much do you think Jeffrey's still like the Jeffrey of ten years ago, Grant? Well, Jeffrey's been through a lot. He's been Jeffrey hadn't actually been through any combat when when he's first invented. I think he's much more. Uh, I, I think he kind of. It kind of has to mirror a lot of what I'm like. I'm far more confident now than I was 15 years ago when I started mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Uh, he's gained his confidence through victories in battle, uh, <coughs> despite the many, also the, the many defeats and getting knocked out and falling off buildings and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, he's been, in general, it's been all up for him. There's been a couple of uh, setbacks, uh, but he's gaining in confidence. Uh, it was just that great scene where he. Uh, Evan just tells him, "Was it? I found the fate orb which had his, his father's memories in it, and he was Jeffrey was reduced to a gibbering, crying wreck, lying in his bed. Mm. And Evan then just says to him, "It's time to step out, step out from your father's shadow." And he just had that great, awesome scene where I was you just went what, berserk, <laughs> went berserk, and like a, when I had to impress yeah. those mercenaries by battling them, and I yeah. nearly killed that guy. Because it kept on rolling hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre. It all just came together. Yeah. Can I just say that's the first time that, that we, I've mentioned the system mm-hmm. yeah. at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah the cat. Strength isn't the system in that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think it gave me. The Rollmaster system does give you a lot of pointers. Uh, got. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's so many skills and so many attributes. I'm thinking, why does he have this? Why does he have that? Um, you had something called the hobby pick, which is something that's generally, you can take a, a lot of skill outside of your uh, general skills for your for your character class. Uh, and and uh, that, that made me think, why, why is he such a good brawler? He's like a martial tactician. He's a leader, was his class. Why, why is he so good at brawling? I was thinking about all this early days and uh, his wild drinking days at the taverns when mm. where class counted for nothing and he was getting in the streets <clears> with him him and Evan. Yeah. Uh, it gives you ideas to for pick up a chair. Yeah. <laughs> gives you ideas use, for use that personality and quirks and stuff. Yeah, it's good. Uh, shall we move on to another one? Yeah, let's. <laughs> what were you, Joe? What were you thinking? Uh, well, all, I mean, I like Grant. I am. I'm fond of Jago as well. He's a he's a great character that I've enjoyed playing. And I think partly it's because we've played the characters for so long. We've never had another character that's lasted that, or a campaign that's lasted that long, mm. ten years. So you do become attached. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but I think part of why it's lasted so long is because we actually just maybe accidentally created some pretty awesome characters back then. Um, or have know. they developed into great <laughs> characters? <laughs> I think they developed into good. I think it's all, it all <coughs> because of the the way the game's run and because of the world that the characters have kind of flourished and, and grown in that. And you feel like they're real people. That, um, that most of the time we're quite good at getting the system, the Roman system, bits out of the way. <coughs> and then you've got time to explore the characters, and you do get put in in scary situations. And there's always that fear of, of taking a crit and losing <coughs> fate points. Yeah. Um, so you don't have the feeling of safety that you do in some games with characters, I suppose. Yeah. So that gives it a bit of a bit of an edge. Um, 
I've got about seven feet points somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think it's, it's about the, the depth of the world, and yeah, I finally got to play that character. Like, when we're talking about characters, I, people quite often have like a, a type that they, they, they go for, or mm. a style of character yeah. that they'll, they'll play. Like, I'll quite often I'd like to play like a finesse fighter. Or someone who's a bit sneaky, like a swashbuckler or a ranger, yeah, or a rogue. Yeah, like I know what's. Exactly, that like the first game of AD and D that I played when I played uh, an elf swashbuckler. <laughs> and but I, I, I never really kind of got that out of my system because I'd never felt like I'd got to actually have a proper story with any of these characters from mm. a lot of the games that start. Or got them up to a level where they could actually, so got them up to a level where they could actually be successful. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A, fir a first level sneaky character in AD and D isn't going to sneak around many things. Yeah, that's it. You load up a character don't quite match the concept you've got in your head. <laughs> of, uh, yeah, it's funny how people tend to have uh, a type, don't they? <laughs> like David, I've I never just, seen David I play just, anything sorry. that doesn't sorry. hold a big hammer. Yeah, D David does like his warrior types. <laughs> he's got if if David can't hit things very very hard and take a whole lot of damage, he just gets quite bored. Like we we played a game just recently actually, uh, whereby David tried to play a magician, tried to play a sorcerer, and he just looked horrendously bored through that entire game, <laughs> just not able to do anything. It was like, oh, I'll just stand back and you know fire a pathetic fireball in there, because <laughs> I suppose level one magicians are always a bit shit anyway. <laughs> But yeah, something I thought was awful is uh, would be an awful thing to be is a level one ninja. <laughs> they're they're supposed to be awesome, and it's just oh, I'm just beginning to learn to sneak around things, yeah. and they said, and but most people can see me straight away. Yeah, and then really, <laughs> yeah, that's a bit rubbish. <laughs> There'd be all these level one ninjas wandering around because they're not very good at it yet, and yeah. people would just oh, <laughs> there's no there's no myth attached to them at all. It's like, of course we know there are ninjas. There's loads of them. They're, they're learning their trade. There's one. Yeah, exactly. it doesn't make sense in the kind of uh, classic D&D &D party style to have like low-level ninja. They shouldn't exist, or they'd be the ones still training, still hidden at the academies, and they'd probably be about six years old or something. Yeah. By the time so, they get to yeah, 16, they're like 20, 20th level or 12th level or something. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I feel I feel I've personally led things astray by talking about ninjas. We'll talk about main character creation systems uh, <laughs> later. Yeah, sorry we're... about that. Uh, but um, yeah, oh, I just just said to a kid who sneaked in last uh, last into the into the class today. He's like, oh, there he is sneaking like a ninja. Which is probably quite racist. His his, his parents are Japanese. His grandparents <laughs> are Japanese. Oh, yeah, his mom's Japanese. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I forgot about that. I hadn't taught him in a year. <laughs> anyway, okay. um, what was I saying? Okay, any more characters? Colin? Uh, I had a few written down, but we're taking quite a long time to talk about them, so maybe I'll just choose one. I'll, I'll probably cut out a lot of the uh, yeah. Jeffries. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've got three written down, so why don't you pick, pick your highlight? Well, I, well, I'm torn between two then. My top two. Okay, I'll tell you both. Uh, are from two of my my favourite series of books. Uh, books, books. I'm turning into Plumin Gollum or something. Um, <laughs> I've got uh, from uh, the Wheel of Time, which we're all pretty familiar with. Uh, Matt as the best character I don't in there. Wheel of time at all. Pardon? 
I don't know Wheel of Time. At you don't all. know them at all. Ah, oh, great. Okay, so no. I've got an excuse for describing them. <laughs> uh, so Wheel of Time is a series by Robert Jordan, which is uh, far, far, far too long, but uh, it starts really well. The first few books of it are some of the best books I've ever read. Um, barring probably my favourite ever, maybe barring uh, Wheel, uh, sorry, um, Game of Thrones by George R. R. Martin, uh, and Matt uh, basically starts off looking a bit rubbish. He's kind of he's the the kind of tag along. So you've got Rand, who is the sorcerer. He's the classic uh, sort of little kid ter- um, turns into uh, the most powerful mage in the world. And then, spoilers. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then you've got, uh, yeah, this is all spoilers. And then you've got Perrin, who is their friend. So there's a three of them. Perrin is the, um, I suppose, a traditional beastmaster. He turns well, out the to blacksmith. Be, well, yeah, he's the blacksmith. Start. But he turns out to have uh, an affinity with wolves. Um, and he gets all these special kind of abilities through being a, um, yeah, kind of a, a wolf man, basically. Uh, but Matt just seems like a total normal guy. But it turns out through the books, maybe third or fourth book, I think it is, he kind of a couple of things happened to him, and it turns out that he is in fact uh, basically the fantasy equivalent of James Bond, uh, by which he is uh, always picking up chicks. He is lucky. He has this power that he's basically he never loses at gambling. So whenever he rolls a dice or tosses a coin, it always comes up exactly what he needs. Um, even if that's losing, so if, yeah, whatever he needs at that time, he'll get. Um, and uh, I think I reckon the re- well, I was going to say that one of the reasons that I like him or I think he's so good in those books is partly because he's the normal guy as well. Because Rand turns into a bit of an ass. He turns into the, kind of the classic high sorcerer and becomes all sort of fancy and uh, tries to be all philosophical and oh, how do I do good for the world and all this kind of stuff. Um, and Perrin just goes off and whinges basically through the whole series of books saying stuff like, oh it's rubbish that I could talk to wolves and have all these cool powers, I better not use them, it's terrible terrible, uh, but Matt actually thinks, oh, this is pretty cool I can throw a dice and it can do exactly what I want tell you what, I'm going to go to a pub and I'm going to win shitloads of money, and he ends well, up going through the whole series of books. one side of his character but on the other side he's he's got a great destiny and, and destiny is a great um, theme of the books, yeah, but he yeah. Actually, more than any other character, totally tries to rail against that. <coughs> he he yeah. runs away from battles, but they yeah. just kind of follow him around yes. because uh-huh. because plot. of his luck and because of his uh, yeah because they're well they're called Taverin in the books, which means that they're basically kind of a a focal point of luck and fate and destiny and all that kind of stuff. So things do follow them around. Um, but yeah, you're right. He always complains about it, and he's always the one that just wants to go and uh, smoke a pipe and drink some beer and chat up some chicks in a in a local tavern. Uh, but yeah, he ends up. I'm on the last book now, actually, and he's um, yeah, he's playing a pretty big part in this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's done pretty well. But I think he's just. Uh, I think it's the kind of um, the complications in his character, the fact that he uh, yeah, he totally doesn't want to do this stuff, but actually he accepts it. He accepts the powers, which is a bit unlike a lot of this uh, superhero-y, big mage type of people uh, you get in books. They're always trying to fight against it and hide and stuff, but he's just quite cool because he uses it and uh, uses it like a normal guy would to go and chat checks and to win some money. <laughs> yeah, so he's a kind of reluctant hero. Yeah. Like he stands out very much compared to the other two main characters. Yeah, yeah. Who are, in a lot of ways, a lot more powerful. They do a lot more stuff, but they're just kind of they end up a little bit boring compared to him, just because I don't know. I'm not I'm not entirely sure why, to be honest. What do you think, Grant? Uh, I think it's just two <coughs> the other two characters are more introverted, so there's a lot more um, 
there's a lot more internal dialogue with the other two characters. Maybe that's it. Yeah, he's basically uh, a lot more likable, isn't he? He's the he's a lot more like the kind well, of guy you want to meet with. It. Yeah, exactly. Right? He's a trickster. Yeah, but uh, he's who has kind of military military rule thrust upon him. Yeah. Well, whereas Perrin and Rand are much more pious, they're much more kind of. Um, Everything has to be done right and has to be, uh, you know, in the eyes of the Lord and all this kind of stuff. It's all, yeah. Aye, that's probably why. He's a bit more, yeah, <laughs> easygoing, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I've, cool. I think I've I've often, I, I think I've tried to design characters like Matt a few times and failed a little bit because... Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty hard for a for a role-playing game to make yeah. that work. The, the, you, play the, you can't really play the role of reluctant hero. Yeah. When, when, you, well, when you're only playing for three hours or something. Yeah, exactly. It annoys people. <laughs> Actually, it's probably, what, it's probably what happens in, in role-playing games when, when you've got a GM who's just deciding you're going to face this battle and whatever you do, you're on. Matt is in, in, that, in, that, in that story. He's on rails. <laughs> and yeah, he tries yeah, to totally. he tries to get off the rails. He tries to avoid all the big battles. He tries to not marry the woman who's actually he's prophesied to marry. Yeah, and he he just can't manage it because the, <laughs> the the GM Robert Jordan is making him do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can only run away for for so long before he finds himself getting lost and turning around. Yeah, and and finding himself exactly where he should be, not yeah. where he wanted to be. Yeah. That's probably part of it, actually. Part of the fact you sympathise with him a lot because you're like, oh, he just wants to go to the pub. Leave the poor guy alone. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you go through the whole books just kind of willing him to win because or to get his way because you just quite like him and actually he's been forced into doing all this stuff he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if that's it. Do you think that's a bit of a model for an NPC? You just have this guy who's kind of... <laughs> he's uh, He ends up joining your party through kind of happenstance more than anything else and keeps trying to escape you but you keep catching up with him somehow it could, could add a really good sort of uh, storyline to to a game a bit yeah he just keeps fate, turning up just keeps on keeps turning up and going, oh, shit you guys again you got me in trouble last time <laughs> <laughs> that is that would be a cool npc yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder. quite hard to, to run some something like someone like that though it'd be a long long running game um and i don't know there's, there's a chance that he overshadows the, the player characters as well a bit do you think that I do? I mean, I reckon I wouldn't worry about overshadowing the characters because if I created a character, an NPC that was overshadowing the characters, hopefully that would make them or force them to do some better stuff to you know get back out of the shadow to it would challenge them a bit to do something cool or to create some more little foibles for their characters or whatever to to make them more interesting. Surely, uh, no. Well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it depends on the system, depends what yeah. game you're running and stuff. But I'm thinking, like, if you've already got four, say, four players, and mm. that's four stories going on already, four protagonists. Yeah. Um, to, it'd be nice to, if it was woven into this scenario, or for some reason they had to help this NPC. They had like a reason for trying to get this NPC to actually accept their hero's role or mm-hmm. accept their. Then I think you'd get more buy-in from the players. Mm. That was part whereas, of their quest. Otherwise, it is more like a kind of a, um, cameo, like guest star who appears every now and again. I think the way to do it would be to bring this person in to sort of shake things up. Maybe if things are a little bit, uh, you're getting samey, maybe people are getting um, tired of what's happening. Yeah. And then as soon as, as soon as they've shaken up, pull them out again. 
like Tom, you know, the mat comes in like a whirlwind, shakes everything up, uh, kisses all the girls, uh, drinks all the beer, um, makes, you know, unsettles the local lord to the point where he's now chasing after Matt, can't find Matt, finds your guys instead, puts them into an adventure, and Matt's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like Lord Flashheart. <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> He's got a similar accent to Jeffrey Hardonia. Coincidence? <laughs> See, I, I don't know. I, I think that continuous characters are a good thing because they, they put a bit of familiarity in. I mean, well, that was another thing, another character on my list then from our game. I'll try not to go into too much detail because obviously it's not so interesting to everyone else. But uh, basically, there's a character in our long going game who is. Uh, um, antagonist, I guess he's a he's a, he was a bad guy when we first met him. We but he was way above our level, so we were all terrified of him. And then suddenly, a couple of years later, we were about the same level as him, so we started plotting to kill him. But he was so interesting that we never actually did it. Every single game we played, we were like, right, we're going to kill Barry Kelso this time. But Barry we never did it. Kelso. Yeah. And every time we met him, we had a great little bit of repartee with him, but we never killed him because he always brought up something more interesting every time we met him. And now we're like blooming five levels above him or something. We could kill him in a heartbeat, but we never do because he's kind of, he's almost an old friend that we kind of hate. As well. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah. That was, that was always the, the problem. Like if yeah. you in the middle of the street, there'd be quite a lot of repercussions. <clears throat> yeah. We could have tipped him over that boat. Yeah, we did have no. a couple of times, chances to finish him off. But like I said, it, yeah, he's, he's an interesting character. Yeah. It would be a shame in a way if he went he is like yeah. our, our nemesis yeah we'd kill him and then suddenly we'd all go oh we shouldn't have done but that. he has given us a lot of plot information no that yeah absolutely well that's yeah. Gonna, that's what Respect saved him the last time wasn't it <laughs> yeah he went no no don't i'll tell you everything <laughs> but I, do, I just think like you're talking about um having a character come in and then disappear and that's it they serve a purpose and go away that's kind of like i don't know i feel like that's the kind of Baldur's Gate on the PC style of thing. You just walk into a town and there's a guy in the street corner. He says, "Go and bring me ten goblin heads." So you bring them back, you get the XP, and you never see them again. But in the kind of in the good games that I've played, you get these characters that make the story because they keep coming back. They're kind of friends. They give you more. They they create that ongoing persistent world that you buy into and kind of really enjoy playing in. I think. Oh yeah, you definitely want recurring characters. I think definitely. Um, but I'm just questioning, you know, whether you have a recurring, you know, chaos monger character who sounds <laughs> like his, like if his story is more interesting than the player's story. Right. And you get players like, why, why aren't we playing that guy? <laughs> that <seems> like, yeah. <laughs> that seems like fun. Or, or, we're just, or we're just clearing around, cleaning his mess up now. Yeah. This isn't our story anymore. This is like, um, but you know, it can work. It's different for different groups. Some people yeah. might really like that. Um, and it totally depends on the game system you're playing. We're kind of like assuming from like quite a traditional D and D party play style for a long running campaign. Yeah. Like but you know, a lot of games, oh my games don't even have that kind of structure anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. So if it's just a one-off session, you have to create a character that's interesting straight away, serves a purpose, and basically takes you through to the end of the game within a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. Or oh, just even if it's going to over a few sessions, like the game of Eternal Contenders you ran um, recently, Grant. There were quite a few recurring characters in that, weren't they? Who crossed over from one condensed story? Yeah, well, those were built in. Um, uh, sh should we go on to systems now? Yeah, or go are we for done it. with examples? 
I think yeah, if we've done with examples, let's get into like specifics yeah. of, right. of characters of characters in within systems as yeah, what we think works or maybe what we think doesn't work. Well, we've all said uh, yeah, should we go into like role master then and or or Matt's Reeve master we should call it. <laughs> there isn't really a role master game. There's so many rules, optional rules that every group will just create their own game out of it. Yeah, just, it's so pretty incidental. Yeah. Nowadays, the, the the game is the game is the story um, uh, that we're all sort of putting together. The, the game is my labour of love. The uh, the the wiki that we've yeah written all <laughs> written everything into different sections for items and and world history yeah. and uh, characters and great houses like the back of the George R. R. Martin book. Yeah, pretty much. So, but forgetting about the background and focusing just yeah. on the mechanics from a mechanical point, how do you think that game helps character or helps create good character? Well, I remember when I created mine, it was basically generated out in total random dice throws. Because I, uh, I hadn't decided what... I, this is as far as I remember, because it's been 15 years ago now. But as far as I remember, it was undecided what type of a character I was going to be until I'd thrown the dice. So I started throwing one for empathy, one for strength, one for blah, blah, blah. And I basically, I, I randomly rolled a 100 for empathy. And so Matt was like, oh, you could be the most powerful wizard in the world. So that's what I went. And I think, I think that was how... It was. You were there, Grant, weren't you? Was that how we did it? You, you I think it's something like that. You definitely, we definitely all picked <coughs> our characters. Yeah, uh, but I don't. We I, picked our. Um, we picked classes. our backgrounds. I oh, see. I don't know if I. Well, I put. Yeah, no. I voluntarily picked magician after getting that empathy yeah, roll. But stats first. Yeah, I think I rolled my stats first. I'm sure I did. Yeah, um, and it was based yeah. on the stats, so I chose it based on what I could sort of most easily create. Did he not even let you... T- oh, no, he didn't let you um, switch around your numbers. Nope. You, you actually rolled a d100 for each one. Yep, yep. Hmm. All right, okay. That yeah. was... Yeah, could have been very different otherwise. Kind of like the old school... Is that That's how it used to be in old school D&D, wasn't it? Like, you could say... 3d6. Oh, I'd, I'd like to be a, a paladin, but then you basically don't roll enough and you can't... <laughs> you have to be a rat catcher instead. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's interesting. Starting without any concept, you let the, the dice... And the stats you roll suggest the kind of character yeah. that you're going to play, which is unusual because you quite often like playing wizard characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Cool. Well, maybe that's why, because that was the first ever RPG I played. Uh, so the Rollmaster, yeah. Rollmaster was the first magician I played, and basically that's the, my most, probably my favourite character I've ever played. And now I play pretty much that character and everything else. <laughs> um, the thing about Rollmaster is you you can't completely make your character. The system kind of tells you what your character's going to be in. But it gives you a bloody good idea about what your character's been up to. Maybe not about what they're like, but certainly what they've what they've been up to. Is a so it's, what, it's a high, high level of what detail. What High level yeah. of detail, lots of skills, lots of charts, lots of things. You've got, you end up with lots of stuff written on your character sheet, so that helps flesh out your character a bit more. Yeah, it gives you a really good starting point uh, to, to work out who they are. It might not have been what you wanted in the first place, are there too many stats, though? I think that. Oh, definitely. But we've made these characters now, so I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy now they're there. Yeah. Going back to scratch again, it would be a horrible idea. But I quite, I quite like them now. Quite like them now. Got it. There are a shitload of stats, aren't there? Like oh yeah. When you're, yeah. When you're and doing skills something. as well. Just yeah. uh, all those skills, but ah, they well, yeah, sub skills within skills that you know. 
because we yeah. haven't. How many times has Matt said anyone got anyone got sense motive? And like none of us have bought anything. Yeah. With this skill called sense no, motive. No, I did. We didn't really. Yeah. Eventually, I bought some. Yeah, oh, and it was rubbish. Creation because we didn't know that it was so important. Or that it yeah. Would to have someone to have it. Well, I bought I bought some in recent years, but it's rubbish because now now I have to roll on it. Whereas before, Matt would just tell us what some what someone looked like <laughs> half the time. Yeah, but there's like silly things like acrobatics and uh, woodsman skills. I mean, it's, it's all the standard stuff, isn't it? It's all the ones you've heard of before. But yeah, there are loads. It takes you ages to find them whenever he asks you to do something. Yeah, it does go into four pages. That's a good point. Which I think if we if we were in um, a brand new game, but using the same characters, do you think you could just distill them down to? Like a ten-word description or something. Yeah. Twelve-word description. Just help, yeah. Just play your character from that. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's only because we have these character sheets good to go, and ready-made that we're we're doing this. If we're to start this again, yeah, we'll use something else. Yeah. When you say sure. a description, Joe, do you mean like um, do you mean stats still, like numbered stats, or do you mean actually just say he's quite good at this, he's kind of good at that? I was just yeah, I was just meaning like a, just a verbal description, but I suppose yeah, okay. you could have stats in there. Yeah, because oh, I, I wonder if just more personal stuff like you know how Rollmaster goes into the specifics so it says climb wall you've got this swim you've got that ride horse you've got this but if you put stuff like um, the basics like balance uh, and uh, well uh, I guess it's the that ones base. that come up in a lot of stuff like strength balance uh, that kind of stuff then basically you just pick the most relevant one to whatever activity you're doing but then is that just D&D is that how it works pretty much no, D and D has got a lot of skills. Um, yeah, yeah, most versions of it do. The skill, well, yeah, there's different ways of doing it. Depends on whether you want to emphasise the need for specific training to get good at anything, yeah, or whether you just want people got characters to just be able to kind of do most stuff if they ever if they ever go or if they have a high dominant attribute. Um, it's the sort of story you want to reproduce as well. If you're looking at something like, um, just just look at your characters from fiction. Like, look at Matt Crawford, uh from from uh, Wheel of Time. Robert Jordan doesn't hasn't got a character sheet for him. Saying he's exactly this good at, at climbing, yeah. or exactly that good at fighting with a um, dagger rather than a rather than the sword. He's just a character who's yeah. quite. Deft and and adept at fighting, you know. Uh, you'll come, you'll you'll face situations and be successful or unsuccessful, depending on sort of broad shticks, uh, rather than rather than partic- one particular skills yeah. that he's learned. Actually, maybe Jordan has gotten into so that detail. Would be good to sum up characters as just a few broad shticks. Then, um, like I'm going to. If your stick comes into play, then you're good at that. You're probably. Well, you can attach numbers to them as well. Um, I'm going to talk about um, Over the Edge just now because I, I had a look and the, they're actually, the, the basic system from that is uh, available for free I've got on my computer. Uh, it's called the Warp System, uh, Wanton Roleplay. Uh, hang on. Oh, it's owned by Wizard of the Coast now. Uh, Version one point oh. Here we go. Uh, and it's it's basically got a load of um, what it comes down to. Is your character has got about four traits, and they'll have three or four dice 
for, for each trait where you can put uh, experience into them to increase them. And each trait has a physical manifestation, uh, which which oh, is so holding him back. You also have a negative. I mean, this over the edges has informed a lot of game design. There's a lot of games out, a lot of games come out in recent years that use kind of freeform trait systems mm -hmm. uh, instead of fixed instead of giant fixed skill lists it's free to choose your own traits and choose when to apply them um which is is cool it's a good way of doing it and i think sums up a character a lot quicker you get a, if you just got three descriptive traits which are your character you get a much stronger feel for them mm -hmm. um, than kind of lots of impersonal skill lists that you happen to be slightly better somewhere else that's like worse uh, yeah, invoking this thing, invoking this thing into storage, which is what happens, you know. Arnold Schwarzenegger character in Predator, he's got massive muscles. He's not, you know, he's not... People talk People talk endlessly about who's stronger, the Incredible Hulk or... or... or what, Thing, Juggernaut, whatever, any of these, any of these guys. And who's stronger is the one that would do the coolest thing if they, if they were to win the fight, right? <laughs> Depends how angry the Hulk is. Is angriest Hulk is the strongest, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> that's his power. The angrier he gets, the stronger he gets. There's no limit. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it yeah. Goes, it, yeah, you're right. It, it, that is, it's, it's what would happen in the story. What matters in the story, yeah. and like, <clears throat> comic it is sometimes. So, so this goes back yeah. to the. It goes back to the crunchy versus uh, soft games, though, doesn't it? Like I, I'm definitely more of a fan of the crunchiness. I do. I, I sometimes types of crunch though. I'd say. Well, I think you can still have a crunchy game, but still have freeform traits in it. Right. See, I, I'm not sure. Well, I would feel a. I feel a bit uncomfortable in games that, that have no real measure on how good you are at something, because it makes me. Well, actually, not uncomfortable. That's not the right word. I, I feel a bit kind of unengaged with it because I always feel like, it doesn't really matter what happens. I'll never die because it's always just judged by opinion it's not judged by maths <laughs> and i like maths i like maths i like maths to tell me whether i do this or don't do it because then i know whether it's right or wrong rather than a total subjective uh, sorry objective um no subjective i never remember the difference whichever one means that you uh, decide basically on opinion uh whether you succeed or not so subjective subjective yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, whereas I think I think I probably sit in the middle of all this, and I, I most of the games I play are are quite number based. Uh, I quite quite enjoy that. I, mean, I, like I do I do like it a bit more broken down, a bit, a bit more. I can't be bothered learning the, the big long system or spending three weeks as I have with one game. No, I creating, I, I, creating the characters. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that we need half as many stats as Rollmaster has, but I, I do like. I think I would like a simplified version, maybe five or six different stats, but still have a bit of a number element to it. But maybe have the openness whereby if the story would be far cooler if one certain thing happened, then there's an option to build that in somehow. But in a slightly crunchy way, maybe. So that you can, it can't just happen yeah. because you want it to. Only Some if sort you can... Resource, what was that, sorry? Some sort of resource. Yeah. Like you have to spend to get Aye. that cool effect. Exactly, you yeah. get to pull off that stunt. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so... Which is... Um, I wonder if Feng Shui did that. I don't think, I don't think it did. Mm -hmm. I think it was, you were supposed to do cool stuff all the time in Feng Shui. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you just had, <laughs> there was no option. You just had to. Every single thing had to be cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so characters, character creation. Um, so, talk me through the um, the, uh, the uh, Eternal Contenders one, Joe. How do you create okay. your character in that again? Um, so in Eternal Contenders, same as, as um, original Contenders, every character starts with a connection to someone or something that they care about, which which represents the goal, represents their purpose, their purpose of, of why they why they fight in Contenders, because that's a game about fighting. Eternal Contenders is a game about um, fantasy gladiators who fight for money, and their connection is the purpose of why they're doing it, what they're hoping for. Um, and I think once you've got that, pushing, driving your character forward, they get a lot more impetus and a lot more interesting. Um, and quite a few games have, have done that and arrived at it by different methods. To that come to my mind first, like Feng Shui, which was mentioned by Robin D. Laws, because that each character in that had to have a melodramatic plot hook, it was called in that, which was you know, why your character has joined the secret war or why you've got involved with the rest of the, the players. You know, you're hunting for your master who's been kidnapped or something, or uh, a gang ripped you off, now you want revenge against them. Um, and Sorcerer is the other game by Ron Edwards, which each character has to have a kicker, which is some event that kicks them into action. That um, the, the, the example works quite well in fiction. The reluctant hero, and a lot of a lot of stories, a lot of movies originally have the kind of whole reluctant hero thing. Doesn't want to get involved. Doesn't want to pick a side or take a risk. Um, but then they have their call to adventure. Exactly. If you start the game after the call to adventure has taken place, then you've got that that character's got a drive, something pushing yeah. forwards, some plot goal they want to achieve. You put that into one of your earlier games, didn't you? I can't remember what it's called. Like nearly all games. It's a call to adventure. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that was the, the first very early game, which is now. But it's also I used that in Swan Song and Dragon vs. Gun, you have like a quest that you're on. Um, contenders we've already mentioned. Um, yeah, well, the con well, you we'll have a bit more detail about contenders because you have your connection, um, you have your and connection, then you yeah. and you have a hope and a fear for that connection. And the two central stats in the game are hope and pain. And you're aiming to have your hope higher than your pain at the end of the game, so that you get the good outcome for your connection. Right, the pain's higher, you get bad, the bad ending, the bad outcome. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's um yeah, and that's those are the two most important things on your character sheet. Those are the things that you'll sort of stare at and think about, really. They're the the stakes that are driving the story. Yeah, and as you said, when we when you went to uh, uh when you went to con conventions and uh, and went with pre-gened characters, it's all the rest of the things that pre-gened, and you left those blank on the character sheet. Yeah. And that was good. That gave people a much stronger hook into their characters than just using like pure pre-gen characters. Even though most people can pick them up and, and role play them quite well, because if you've got that drive there for short demos, I've used ones who had their um, uh, connections already filled in, and people have gone with them okay. But for a full-length game, I think to get that buy-in, 
people get to choose what something that they're interested in like they had one guy who was um, playing the savage character whose tribe had been like enslaved in the city and stuff and having to do menial jobs and tasks so his connection <coughs> was to his tribe to, to get, uh, win their freedom and return to their, their uh, native homelands Mm -hmm. Do you find do you find when you play it works better with uh, it, it works fine when it's when your connection isn't because uh, in contenders it was a person your connection was a person wasn't it did it have to be a person it was usually a person but it didn't have to be a person it could have been a mm -hmm. or um, an, an entity a group a church or something yeah but I find it, it works as a person yeah. Yeah. I find it works better when you do have a person it seems a lot more workable to have scenes. Uh, that people uh, get more more engaged in my yeah. experience. Well, it makes it more individual straight away, and you have to come up with, you have to have another strongly developed NPC. Yeah. From the outset, but I think it even even if that person just represents, if if it's a church, then then the person can be the, the priest of the church who can represent that entire body and and what they mean to that person, just like doing fiction. I mean, you don't have. Yeah, if your connection was a church, but you're represented by a priest, then there's nothing protecting that priest in the story. Um, so that priest could be killed in someone else's scene or something before getting to the end. Yeah. Unless they use the mechanics for a connection threat, they can't directly kill that connection. Um, it can't just be narrated. Yeah. So that's interesting permutations like that. But that's uh, that's the, the high highest kind of level of the character, I would say. the. Um, connection and then after that you've got your um, all your stats of how you actually become effective and manipulate the game world so you've got hope, hope and pain the two overarching stats and um, the idea that I wanted was that pain is is quite useful as well because as you're feeling more rage and pain if you tap into that it makes you a stronger fighter um, more resilient you can tap that anger um, as a resource, but you don't want it higher than you hope. So you've got to kind of manage that. Yeah, you can't because complete. Otherwise, you completely lose it, and you just can't. You just can't come back from this pit of despair. That's it. Yeah, and that's something that I changed in, in Eternal Contenders and put in. Basically, there is the option for what are called the pain revealed. Whereas if it gets, because in the original Contenders game, sometimes people get on a pain spiral and it would just become un, uh, unwinnable for them, which yeah, some people reveled in it, um, but some people didn't like that. So I've given more options to escape from it and an option that, that if you choose that you don't want the safety net of the pain revealed scene, you can just choose to have your character basically become a monster, which is where you've pretty much, you've given up on your connection. You know, there's no chance yeah. of, you, of you achieving that, of you getting that dream. So you're just there to screw everyone else, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So the other scene, the other uh, right. We talk about scenes in later episodes a bit further. Yes. Um, the of course you got to put it in the context though. Um, so hope and pain and hope and pain, and then you've got um, your reputation and your cash, uh, your wealth, um, which reputation or renown as it is in Eternal Contenders is just how well known you are which also acts as the trigger for the end game so the more well known a character gets the more chances of the game ending um, and affects how much money you can get paid and wealth is just as, as you think of it as a resource to be spent for benefits um, 
either to your own fighting style or to benefit your connection. That's that's the idea of the game that your connection, for whatever reason, is desperate for uh, money. Yeah. Or help. So you have. To yeah, go with you, yeah. yeah, you've made clear the rules as well. That uh, people uh, wealth can be a little bit more, a little bit more abstract. It can be uh, influence you've gained. Yeah. Or or favors or, or or even or even spare time. Yeah, it comes out. So it's not it's not just it's not just measured in gold pieces, um, but a lot of wealth will be your gold. <laughs> yeah, um, and then you've got uh, the kind of sub game within the game, I suppose, which is the, the actual fighting mechanics, where each character has four um, combat traits for for um, battle traits, maneuver, power, guard, and stamina. Um, and the, the difference in those will kind of tell you what what, what style of fighter they are, what, what kind of what kind of fighter they are. Um, maneuvers, you're good at maneuvering your opponent. You're fast and tend to get in favourable situations. Whereas power is how hard you hit. So based on the idea, of the concept you've got for your character, you can tailor them with the four stats and then in Taylor Contenders as well you have your fighting style which is the closest thing to a character class. Yeah so I'm yeah. just saying um, everything up to now that's your so far so Contenders and that's the original game Yeah, that, that works so well as a, as a boxing game. Um, and now, now we're getting into sort of the kind of the add-ons, the, 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 yeah. the cool stuff. Indeed, and so the, the add-on is the, um, the choice of fighting style, which creates more difference between characters, um, as well as the four stats and variation of the four stats. You've now got actual special moves, special techniques that um, a practitioner of one style can use and of a different style can't use. Yeah. Although you can you can get techniques from outside your. You can get techniques from outside your style because at the end of the day, you're all yeah. playing warriors anyway. You're all warriors. You're all fighters. Um, yeah, I think oh, it's not much else. But I think that's about it for character creation. That pretty much sets you up. So that's oh no, one more. Uh, starting well, items. Pretty starting items as well, actually. Yeah. And yeah, they give you a little boost and so. I'm saying that's another change from the original contenders as well. So obviously, boxers don't go in for weapons or armor so much. <laughs> the idea is you can tailor your. Uh, with um, an item that gives you a little boost in combat. That's what I'm saying. Um, and then the final option is is rivals, isn't it? I should touch on that. But once you've got a concept of your character, um, I like to ask a quote from the book, the actual questions that I think are good to ask to uh, get a sense of your character. Um, ask, uh, who is your warrior? Where does he hail from? Why is he here? What does he believe in, and how does he fight? And I think if you if you just go with the quick answers to those questions, you quickly get a concept, and it's easy to bring a connection out of that, um, and have an idea of what kind of style you'll be fighting in, and what kind of stats you'll have. So that's the colour for the character, really. Yeah, yeah. It, mechanically, I suppose it doesn't yeah. really affect things. Uh, but it gives you. But it affects the story crazy. usually, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. And then the final option is to create a rival, which. Uh, so, in fact, in character creation, you wind up creating two characters. Yeah. 
it's sort of your foil of this, isn't it? I've actually never played it yet. Played a bunch uh, of you have. You played an early version. You played an early played version, but yeah, you haven't played it in the in the current form. I don't think there was even Styles winner. What did we no. play? What kind of game did we play in the early version? We were played it. We played it in the L five R setting. Played the Rocket Gun yeah. setting game. Sure. It was kind of a follow as follow on to my disastrous attempt at GMing. <laughs> well, the one thing I did quite like, and the one thing I did do right in GMing that game, I remember asking lots of questions about the character before we would start a session. Who's their ward? What do they believe in? What would mm. they do? You know, who, who's what's the most important thing to them? What's the most prized possession? And it's good to ask questions of your character like that. Just just quick things. If you don't know an answer, you've got to make something up that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. at the time but the rest of it n not a good show by me <laughs> GMing's a very very special skill <laughs> it's a special skill and uh, I don't think the rule set doesn't really help you doesn't do you any favours like all the it was D20, D20 games open well. license thing wasn't it yeah yeah I'll, I'll, use that, I'll use that as an excuse at the time. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got bogged down in character creation because you you kind of you generated everyone's characters for them, and you? you'd done all the work, and it's quite a lot of maths to do that because we're starting at like level three or something. So, <laughs> yeah, I would say from a design point of view, that long windedness that it takes to create a character, especially at higher levels, if you have to go back and do every level up, is uh, something to bear in mind. <laughs> it can be a stumbling block, especially for yeah. new gems who've got limited time to prepare anyway. You say you usually sit down for three hours or something, about half a session to explain the character creation rules to new players and kick out three, was it, four, four, four um, fighters and four um, NPCs for them to fight against. When I played uh, Dark Heresy, um, it took uh, three weeks. <coughs> <laughs> for all the character creation to be done for the whole game. Yeah. Not Dark it. Heresy. Always, always get this long Black Crusade uh, with all the options that are in that. Yeah, we actually, we, uh, what, what did we do in the session? Sat down, explained the rules, had dinner, uh, created all the characters. Well. Oh, that was it. That's that's what took the time, actually, because we spent at least half an hour doing that. Uh, yeah. Uh, talking about the talking about the the, the background because he decided not to use the suggested um, uh, the sort of the default fancy setting, yeah. So that 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 was the background to all our characters. Yes, yeah, so we did a bit of extra work on that as well. I yes, yeah, so it would have been less than an hour then for the characters. Well, that seems more reasonable to me. Yeah. I can't I can't remember taking more than half an hour to make a character in any game before. Uh. More really, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I don't really remember that because that was so long ago. But yeah, that could have been longer. But I, I would get bored if it took me longer than half an hour to come up with a set of stats, a bit of background. You know, surely you can do it in that amount of time. I think maybe if it takes longer than that, I would get a bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> put it off from it. A flag, yeah. A flag if it takes longer than that, yeah. Yeah. It better, be, it better be a big payout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For having to do all this stuff. Yeah, certainly not for a, a one session game or even a two or a three session game. But yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. So, what, was was that up for uh, the career character creation contenders, the eternal contenders? 
That's yeah, no, um, right, that's the rundown. Okay, so yeah, put in practice, and I think, I've, well, I've run, I've ran one game at uh, <laughs> the my grown-up gaming club, and uh, well, run it. Well, yeah, I introduced it to the gaming club, played again, and uh, also um, introduced it to my uh, gaming club at school. Um, a few kids come along to a gaming club. Uh, um, so I don't want to play it. And they had a second game as well. So that. Um, uh, so in the first game, like I said, we with, with the gaming club, we ran through a setting. We decided we wanted to go for a steampunk setting. Uh, yeah, the characters were... Uh, my own one was von Richtenstein. It was a Dr. Dr. von Richtenstein, who was kind of a mad inventor. Because I, I was going to go for an item-heavy sort of build for my character. Uh, so um, I kind of mixed together a couple of gave him disarm and gave him a, a, a bit that, that makes him use um, objects over and over, uh, yeah. and oh, yeah. uh, set, set him up the shock gloves, uh, which you that know was, it, that was the memorable trait from from him. I remember his shock glove and his uh, his connection to his his wife. His, yeah. In a coma, was she in a coma? She was in a coma, and he was uh, had her in suspended animation in a pool of water. Who was trying to save her, trying to save her life. <laughs> um, uh, the hope was that he would save her life. The fear was that she would never recover from her mysterious illness and die. Right. And he was doing some horrible things that were completely out of his own character. And because he had that driving, this driving force all throughout it, and that really helped. Uh, yeah, I was thinking sort of steampunk weird technology would fit a sort of Frankenstein style, Frankenstein style character. It's a bit of Frankenstein's bride, bride mm. Frankenstein in the uh, in in the wife who's 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 lying asleep. There's a bit of uh, mad inventor with with all his crazy contraptions that he would come up with, um, lots of sort of voltaic piles. Uh, that he would strap onto himself, and eventually had a massive suit of armor. Um, uh, it was almost like steam power armor. Uh, sorry, that 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 that's how that's where the story went anyway. Um, so maybe we should pull back some some strands and look at some of the main things that have come up about character, or that we're thinking about character. Um, so I think a sense of purpose makes for a a good character in most of the characters that we've. That we've discussed. Yeah, it's a history, ancestry, history, something that drives yeah. them. Putting them into the setting, and if you don't have a setting, then you're going to have to build a sort of a, a setting around around them. Yeah, yeah, they got to feel like they belong. I don't know, mm -hmm. not like they're, not like they're tacked on, or they've just arrived. Yeah. Coming to town to kill some bald goblins, it's not gonna, it's not engaging. <laughs> uh, you know, come to fight, come to rescue his grandmother from the, the being kidnapped by goblins for nefarious deeds. Yeah, that's, that's a little more. It's all there. A bit more depth. <laughs> I, mean, I suppose it's not rocket science, is it? It's just making characters a bit more two, three dimensional, a little bit less shallow, a little bit more deep. Yeah. Even sort of adding on, you know, the negative traits that we were talking about. So having them, they're all all these great stuff, but actually they have a couple of foibles as well, a couple of things that draw them back, draw them down. Hubristic flaw. Yeah, exactly. Sort of, the flaws. Yeah. I think that's why I'd quite like in our game that we're designing to have uh, the table that you roll off for like one little thing that is uh, a disadvantage. 
because I think it's quite nice to have those type of things and it's probably it's quite hard to choose a disadvantage uh, rather yeah. than be allocated one <laughs> it's good My Life with Master does that really well actually the My Life with Master game just talking about Bride of Frankenstein mm -hmm. but that because you're um, you play a character in that you all play minions of this um, terrible master mm -hmm. who uh, controls the village by fear um, but you have your only two traits are freeform traits and one's more than human which is something that you're amazing at that any scene that that involves you'll just automatically win you'll automatically succeed mm -hmm. one trait's less than human um, and which means that anything any check involving that would, would be you'd automatically fail uh, so I think like, they give like an example of the hunchback and his less than humans that is is limping movement restricts him on the ground so yeah. much so it would say that he would always fail even if he was chasing like um, a bandit who was bleeding from a leg wound the bandit would still get away because because <laughs> the less than humans means that like, he's just so slow it's yeah. just terrible that. even somebody um, it's disadvantaged yeah some, yeah <laughs> but there was always an exception as well which was quite nice it would be like something like yeah he's he's a uh, spastically limping at a really slow rate um, unless he's swinging from the rafters alright is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so he can move fast in certain situations <laughs> well, in one very specific situation yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and, the, and the more than human was, was the other way around uh, like it, it was someone who would have like, like incredible incredible strength the strength of 20 men um, or something like um, unless Sun was setting, then yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah. So, I suppose, is it is the main thing then around if you're designing a game, if you can find some way to design in depth, then that can make yeah. a big difference to the fun that people have. Like, if you force people to make a, a 3D character to make a deep character, then that possibly makes them enjoy the game a whole lot more. And the question be more support rather than force. No, force. force. Okay. <laughs> you want it mandatory rules, don't you? It's not, yeah, okay. Not like yeah. an optional. If it, was, if it was an optional rule, like if you want to come up with your, your backstory, yeah. like, no, you must maybe incentivize rather than force. Yeah, that's so, true. Like, right? If you come up yeah. with your backstory, or these, you'll get Codify. some more yeah. cool stats to use. Yeah, or the idea that you could have... Yeah, exactly. You get more boosts the more disadvantages you take. So you can take one, two, or three disadvantages, and that means you get one, two, or three big advantages as well. <laughs> it does become shopping sometimes. For some games, I remember that used to, like uh, all the White Wolf storyteller games. I used to have loads of advantages and disadvantages lists, really? and, and the uh, Deadlands as well. And it did just become kind of like shopping. <laughs> you try and take the least disadvantage, disadvantage, so you can buy more of it. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I could have a pronounced link. <laughs> I'll be colourblind. That'll never come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and nobody ever remembers it anyway. Yeah. Or you take disadvantages that actually you treat as an advantage. Like, uh, I'm psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> Incredibly aggressive. Nice. Yeah. Short fuse. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, like, <laughs> isn't, these. isn't in our game, isn't, is it David that's like, falls over whenever he gets water in his ear or something yeah. like that? that <laughs> but we never Matt, remember that. He got, he got a major advantage for that as well. Uh -huh. uh, actually, coincidentally, it, it was that he could hear magic. Hear the magic, which yeah. is incredibly powerful. <laughs> and then, uh, by the, se in the second session, I think actually the first session, Matt, we had to abandon ship and go into the water. 
and <laughs> Matt just couldn't even be bothered dealing with it. So, <laughs> so he just ignored it. <laughs> yeah, we wound up, we all ignored it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was it Eric? Yeah. Can you <coughs> look up the drowning rules in Rollmaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can imagine it would just be you're underwater or you're drowned. <laughs> just always seems quite severe. <laughs> but yeah. No, Are we? Like, come on, you can have like your fatigue points and so much stamina loss per oh, round. That's true. And yeah. How many yards you can travel in a round? <laughs> Doggy paddle. Whether you can wiggle out of your armor. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. cool. okay are we is, is that wrapped up yeah I think so okay any other major force backwards? people into depth yeah <laughs> yeah but not the water <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool um, right thanks everybody you've been listening to the Dicey with Design podcast if you want to get in touch with us please do um and remember, one person gets in touch with me uh, about uh, putting on putting on links in the show notes. Then I'll keep doing it. Just the one. Okay. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I'll just put links to the hard to find stuff. Otherwise, I'll I'll put on a list of things we've been talking about, and we can, and you can Google it yourself. Yeah. Um, is, are there any other um, any other housekeeping stuff we need to go about? Contact us at uh, podcast at dicingwithdesign.com uh, and you can get us all on Twitter. It's probably the quickest way, isn't it, really? I'm uh, at GamerColin. Grant, I'm you at are... Grant Sensei. I'm at Joe J. Prince. Cool. And, uh, oh yeah, iTunes reviews, they really help out. Let's get. We'd really love to get uh, more people listening to the podcast. So if you're listening to this, we'd really appreciate it. If you go on uh, iTunes, uh, if you find our podcast page, and there should be a little bit down the bottom of the page where you can just pop in a little review. Uh, all you have to do is hit one of the star buttons. Be honest, you can give us a rubbish review if you want. It still helps. Obviously, we'd no, rather you no. didn't. But uh, no. <laughs> if, if you didn't, li- if you didn't like it, email us. Ah, that's true. Actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> negative feedback. Email us. Yeah, that feedback. Yeah. Okay. in a private way. But if you loved it, get on iTunes and uh, give us a star rating. You don't even need to write anything in, but uh, we'd love to see some uh, written comments too. So, if you can do it, that'd be great. Thanks for listening. Cheerio, folks. Yep. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. We're dicing with design.